You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Will you stand with me? If you can, will you stand with me? No pressure if you're tired or got some health issues. We love you. We're just glad you showed up because showing up matters. We settle for shallow. It just hit me. Like this week, I was just, I've been thinking about it. It's been kind of stirred in my spirit for several weeks now, but we just, we settle for shallow. There's many times that that's all we talk about, all we preach about. Uh, we settle for it. Some of you came in here and you think that shallow is the only thing that is available to you. But our father is not, Jesus is not just some arbiter. He's not just some mediator between God and heaven. He is the a father in the pure sense of the word. But we settle. We settle. I love all my Baptist brothers and sisters. I went to a Baptist seminary. Them jokers, are, I love it that they are leading people to Jesus and saving souls, but God wants to do more than that. If that's all you settle for in this life, you are settling. Jesus did not just come to save you. He did not just come to forgive you. The Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. That's not just true for Israel. That's true for you. Bible says that he knew you before he formed you in their, your mother's womb. That is not just true for Jeremiah. That is true for you. He wants to bless you and make you a blessing. That's not just true for Abraham. Tell your neighbor, say that's true for you. You better say it like you mean it. Say that's true for you. Actually, how about you say it louder and say it's true for me. Peter isn't just a rock. You are a rock. You are a child of God, not just your neighbor. Greater is he who is in, say me, than he who is in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in. It's true for you. Jesus gave you the keys to the kingdom. Jesus identified this relationship. And Jesus wants to do more than, you, than to help you uh, cope with the past and move forward in the future. He did more than to, he wants to do more than for you to look in the mirror and be forgiven. And anything that underscores that relationship is sin and settling. And we settle for shallow. We settle for shallow. I used to tell my daddy I, was a, I started swimming really young. I don't care if you're old or young. I, I start swimming really young and I just tell daddy, daddy, I'm going to the deep end, daddy. I'm going to the deep end. I want you to say it together online. Drop a comment. I won't make you tell somebody because I want you to speak it over yourself. Say, I'm going to the deep end, daddy. You better say it louder. Say, I'm going to the deep end, daddy. Because you don't have to settle for shallow. Go ahead, sit down. Let's dive into this thing. Let's dive in. I want to start in Romans chapter 12. Lord, just speak through me. Help me speak and be truthful to your word and your will and your heart for all of us, no matter where we are. Lord, help me. Help my words uh, meet people where they are, wherever they are, because you truly aren't done and you want to do something in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12. I want to start here. Paul says this to a church. He's talking to church people. Paul's letters are talking to church people. Paul's letters are not talking to people far from God. Jesus dealt with people far from God. Paul was actually planting churches and dealing with church people. And he says this about Christians to somebody that should, we should know better. We should be going deeper and growing. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Say that word. Say copy. Say copy. 
He says, don't copy. Other translations say conform. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God say that with me. Transform. Say it again. Say transform. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Freaking frogs. All right. They're everywhere. Now I love y'all too. Ah. So uh, say that with me. Say copy. Copy. Paul says, do not copy. The Greek word there is, I'm terrible at, uh, at Greek. I'm even worse at English, so I'm going to have to read it. The Greek word there for copy, conform, is systematico. I'm bad at English. I can't even go try with Greek. English word's better is uh, schematic. It's not conform. It's not copy. It's schematic. A drawing, a diagram, cookie cutter, formula, patterns. Paul says, do not copy and pressure yourself to conform and be what culture, church, parents, employer try to pressure you to be because they always will. People don't change. Culture changes, but the toxic parts of culture are always the same. To try to, make, to, try to tell you what you should believe, how you should behave, what you should be. What's acceptable, what's appropriate, what's presentable, what's good enough. And Paul says, do not follow their diagrams and drawings and patterns. Do not do that. Paul is speaking to church people who are called to go deeper. He is not talking to people who need God to save them. He's not talking about an eternal escape one day, a promise of one day to get you out of hell today. He's talking about right here in this moment. Quit putting the pressure to conform and to copy on yourself. Because if you put that on yourself, you are going to be crushed. And the best you're ever going to get is settling for one day and shallow. And he says, don't do that. Don't copy. Don't, don't conform. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The word transform in Greek is an easy one. It's metamorpho. Metamorphosis is the English word. And to transform or to our metamorphosis is to change from one thing to another, not to copy and try to look like it, but to transform into it. A caterpillar transforms to a butterfly, doesn't copy another butterfly. It goes through the process and, and butterflies life is really short, but it's really beautiful. And most of their life is the process. And so you're mad at God for not fixing your problems overnight or in one year. And really a caterpillar, the most beautiful, glorious parts of their life aren't as long and they take a while to get to, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Paul is speaking so much depth to the church at Rome. He says, do not copy. Do not try to put mama's. Quit letting everybody tell you that you shouldn't have a career or that you should just be a mama or vice versa. Men, we're going to talk about it next week. Quit letting culture tell you what's, a, what's masculine and what's not. Young people, quit trying to conform to what is cool and what is style. Gets on my nerves, these pastors that are my age trying to dress like a 16-year-old. I can't do it. I wasn't cool then. I'm not cool now. I can't try to copy them or I'll fail. If I'm lame, I'm lame, but I got to be Ben. And Paul says, do not copy them. Do not walk in your schools as in your job trying to imitate and duplicate. Let God transform you. Let him change you. Not the appearance of change. Change.
We settle for so much less than what God wants to do in our lives. I'm talking about people who love the Lord, long-standing Christian people who come to church and, and, and you, don't, you come to church for the right reasons. You just miss out on the most important ones. You read the word for the right reasons, but you miss out on the deeper reasons because you never dive deeper and God wants to do so much more than just save you. God wants us to do so much more than for you to see. He wants to transform your life by changing the way you think. He wants to eliminate some things in your life that are causing you to live short of this, of what the glory of God. That he, and your story in mine, your transformation in mine, and mine's not yours, but it is yours. And we settle for shallow. We settle for it. We started Catalyst Church in 2017. January 8th was our opening Sunday. In September of 2016, we started renovating our first location. It was a old bar and nightclub. It's the axe throwing bar over there, uh, uh, over there at Little Caesars, the corner right there. Yeah, that was that was Catalyst Church. It, before it was the axe throwing bar, before it's Catalyst Church, it was Rum Runners, and the other side was Sidelines. It was a, a dance club. So the auditorium, the worship center, was a uh, was a dance club, and the bar side, Rum Runners, was actually our children's ministry. Just so y'all know, the uh, floor space where your chairs are, just the floor space, was bigger than the building that we started Catalyst in. It was run down. We were able to get a heck of a deal on it because it was trashed. The bar, they trashed it. Nobody could rent it, so they rented it to us for probably less than half of what they should have. But we had to renovate it. You're seeing demolition picks coming up right now. We had to do demolition. We took out tons. There was a lot of faithful people. Uh, some of you are still here that took out tons of of, 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 of old. We had to tear it down because when you renovate, to renovate, you have to do demolition. You have to take out the old. You have to take out the things that are no longer the new or it would just be a church in a smelly bar and God wanted to make it truly a church. What it was supposed to be. See, here's the thing. You can't do renovation without demolition, but here's where we miss it. Here's the disconnect. Demolition isn't just it takes more to renovate than demoing. So you can't renovate without demolition, but if you just demolition do demo, that's not renovation. That's a good day today. If we would have, we took out the old in that church and tore down, we, I'm talking about if y'all have seen the tons and tons of things that we hauled off on trucks. And so if we'd have just done that, that's not renovation. That's just tearing down. That's just taking out old. Renovation is when you take out the old to replace it with the new. Okay, a lot of times we set boundaries and we, we make better decisions. We get rid of our bad friends and, and, and we do all these things. We kick a lot out of our life and we change, but we really don't change because we are doing demolition. We are setting boundaries, not cleaning and not replacing it with we're doing demoing. You're bitter. You're wounded. You want to prove everybody wrong. You were demoing. You were not being renovated. You were just taking out old. And watch this. Jesus speaks this. And it may seem very spiritual and mystic, but it speaks to every one of us because he was doing some deep teaching right here. He's talking about spirits. But actually, we as dysfunctional people and miserable people act a lot like spirits. Obvious reasons. Matthew chapter 12. Watch this, y'all. This is amazing. Jesus says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Watch this, okay? Miserable spirits are like miserable people. 
It gets kicked out. So somebody makes changes in their life. They kick out the toxic and, and the spirit, it says, goes to the desert. But misery loves company because miserable people see what's, what's happened in your life is you can't handle solitude and peace because you were so accustomed to chaos and drama that you don't even realize how uncomfortable the peace that you pray for is. So you set yourself up for drama. See, the spirits couldn't handle the desert. They couldn't handle solitude. Jesus could handle the desert. He experienced God in the desert, starving, fasting. He experienced the presence of God in the desert, but the spirits, Jesus said, couldn't handle the peace and solitude. And a lot of times we don't realize it. We're in that, we're running away from our problems, calling it healing. We're pushing everybody away. You're lashing out at people for things that you don't like about yourself. You sum up people, judge people. You are bitter and you may be righteous in the argument, but you were wrong in your heart and we can't handle peace. And what Jesus said is they can't handle the peace. There are people in church all the time. People leave church all the time. People hate church. who used to be in church. People that go from church to church because you can't handle the peace and presence of God. There are people that can't handle the depths and the heaviness. I know that I don't preach light messages. I'm not going to. There's enough churches doing that. Go find one. Because when you really get hit, when you really get hit with the presence of God, the love and presence of God doesn't just ch encourage you. It challenges you. Not because God is mad at you, because God wants more for you. And so what happens is when you're in a place where you're confronted and a lot of us in silence, in the solitude, we're confronted with the things that we don't willing to confront. Same, Jesus isn't just teaching spirits, he's teaching us here. Watch this. But finding no peace, finding it says, then he says, I will return to the person I came from. The playgrounds, the habits that God saved you from years ago. You get hurt. Your wife leaves you. Your husband leaves you. Something happens and you go back to partying like you did 20 years ago. That is, that is what we, we go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go see what they're doing because I can't handle this. So what do we do? We step back. It's not just true for spirits and supernatural things that go on and dysfunctions and deep stuff in our life. It's true. We do it all the time. Unstable people are just as predictable as stable people. And so what happens is it says, I will return to the, and I'm telling you, if you've lived through COVID-19 and paid attention, there are people, all, everybody who has lost their character, I promise you, they've been somehow stepped back to the person they used to be. They never, you never move forward when you're stepping back. You ever seen anybody move forward when they're stepping back? We go back. You try to tell everybody you're moving forward and you've grown and you're better than ever, but look at your life, you're stepping back. So Jesus said, that the spirit, and I'm telling you, un instability, whether it's, whether it's supernatural comes from stability, instability, we do the same stuff. And it says, watch this, it says, so it returns and finds its former home. I got it underlined in your bulletin for anybody taking notes in online. So read that with me. It comes, it, it finds its former home. What? Empty, swept, and in order. Better, but not renovated. With the appearance of change, but not renovation. It's organized, it's orderly, it's put together. Or the appearance of put together, but it's really not. They've done some demolition. They've done some tearing down and they've thrown some things out of their life that were killing it, but they have not renovated their heart. They have not truly, and, and there are people, you may love Jesus, but you have not truly let him into your house to replace some things that you kicked out. And it's not just about what you, the things you kick out, it's about what you replace it with. 
And God doesn't just want to kick out the things that are killing you. He wants to replace them with good things. Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone. The new has, I love the translation, begun. Begun. Paul said, he who started a good work in you will bring it into completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God wants to do so much more than save you from your situation or this life. It looks good, but it ain't good. So the spirit can't, you know, the habits and stuff, they can't creep in because it looks good, right? Your bad habits, they can't beat you like they once did because you've made some changes, right? So what's it say? Jesus said, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, and so that person is worse off than before. Whew. Peter says in his epistles, I'm trying to remember the exact translation that I like, but he says he's talking about people who keep stepping back and aren't, and aren't really focused and aren't consistent. And he said it would be the people that they caused to stumble. It said it would be, he says something to the effect, it would be better for them to have never come to the Lord. Because God settling for shallow is going to hurt you worse because God doesn't just want to fix you. He wants to transform you. God doesn't just want to uh, get this surface. He wants to connect with you. He wants to deepen you. We all need healing in every season. We need to be made whole every single day. We are inwardly, the Bible says, being renewed day by day. That is the goal of the gospel, and it can change you. It's enough. God's enough. You can, you can go to the gym and look better than ever, but not be better. You get the appearance of better. You got the abs and biceps like you didn't have in football because you hit puberty so late that you didn't get it till 40. But I'm going to tell you, you are not better. You just look better. You can, throw a pat, you can throw a meaner punch, but you are not any more whole. You are not put together. And because it looks better, you put on a better show. And by the time people realize that you are absolutely broken, you're worse off than before. That's what Jesus was saying. You've made changes in your life, but you have not changed. You have gotten better at church people. We are the best at it. Trust me, I've been married long enough that there are seasons that I thought I was protecting my wife from things that I was feeling and having to do, uh, having to deal with. And by the time it was too late and I told her the truth, I wounded her. I'm telling you, we give the appearance of change. We've learned to say it the right way, to say the right scripture, to make it look good. But we have not changed. And so by the time... By the time the old habits come back in our life, we're worse off than ever before because Jesus doesn't just want to change you. He wants to renovate your heart and entire life every single day. When David said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, it's because David was a man after God's own heart. He made mistakes. He didn't stay there. We are not settling for shallow, shallow Catalyst Church. You want to settle for shallow? You're probably not going to stay here long. You need to go find somewhere that will give you some practical stuff. Because I think that in this season, I don't think I know because it affected my childhood, this stuff. But I'm telling you, in a season now, there's some things that, that you need to penetrate your heart. You're not going to like it, but Jesus wants to heal you. He doesn't just want this surface level thing. His presence is what this world needs. He, a lot of you need to read your Bible, but more, I don't just read my Bible anymore. If I don't spend some time just listening and talking and, and, and pursue him, that lyric, and I am pursuing. He pursues you, but we don't pursue him, and we wonder why we live dry. We settle for shallow. We settle for shallow. Every one of us, we do it in some way of our life, but we get the choice every single day to get up and begin to pursue him and be new and made new. You have a lot of information, 
but not as much revelation. You have a lot of information. Jesus talked about the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were the elite of the religious people of his day. They're actually the ones that got him crucified. They didn't like Jesus. The word Pharisee, if I'm not mistaken, I'm throwing this up off the top of my dome, but it's something like this. Uh, Pharisees means chosen ones. There were very few. I think there was like 6,000 at one time. Pharisees were the elite club. They knew it all. They had all the information they could have about God. Jesus says about them, he says, so you must, he's talking to everybody else. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. See, the Pharisees, the religious people, they knew it all. I'm telling you, there are times, all of us, not just some churches, not every Christian, there are times where we are practicing just like the Pharisees, which means we are not practicing what we tell everybody else we are. And that's okay. Hypocrisy isn't screwing up. Hypocrisy is pretending you don't. You're not a hypocrite because you're not perfect. You're a hypocrite when you pretend to be more perfect than you are. Pretend to be perfect or pretend not to be. is you're, When you're dishonest, how about that? That's hypocrisy. And the Pharisees, Jesus, I mean, he didn't, they didn't like Jesus because Jesus told them, he said, you worry about the inside, the outside of the cup, but not the inside. He told them this. So the seller's market, everybody's selling their houses right now. We are too. We're downsizing, moving close to the church. We're excited. We're just ready to get this dang household uh, it's like in between. But uh, we have to, uh, Angie, make sure the house is real clean, ready for the show in case we're at work because we're here all the time. We spend a lot of time here. We love it. It's what we do. We build it as a family too. And uh, we have to make sure that the house is ready. So if at 2 p.m. somebody wants to come look at the house, it's got to be show. It's got to look pretty and ready for the show. People got to walk in and see the potential in the house. But the problem is we don't just do that for house showings. A lot of times we do that in every area of life. We want it to look good. We want it to look good. We want to give the appearance of change and want it to look good. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you are like whitewashed tombs. You make your tombstones look really pretty. You got great writing abilities and speaking abilities. You can put things on social. You can out-debate everybody. You can out-debate me. Some of you here maybe can quote scripture. King Jimmy even better than me. But the letter killeth and the spirit gives life. That's what the Bible says. I, I can't mix that up. You have a lot of information about him, but you really don't know him or you don't know him as deeply as you should or he wants you to and, and, and how much you, he hunger, you hunger to know him more. You know, just enough to be dangerous and to dance around the truth but not do anything with it and to push everybody away who challenges you to feel and grow. And you know a lot about God, but you don't really know him. You've settled for shallow. You've settled for shallow. And we're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. Your faith is more flaky than faithful. Your faith is more flaky than faithful. Paul said this. Remind, I want to remind you, Paul is talking to church people in Galatian. The Galatian church, because the book of Galatians is written to a church he planted. He planted the Galatian church, and after he left, they began to digress and not grow. And other people came into Galatia talking bad about him, saying he didn't know what he was talking about. And, and so Paul had to real the Galatian church back in with his letter that we read and we know it is the book of Galatians and Paul says this in Galatians 5 he says it is for freedom that Christ has said that Christ has set us free not salvation he didn't use that word 
or an eternal escape that you're going to go to heaven when you get out of this hell one day. He said it is for freedom. Jesus taught when he said, when he taught about showing himself to us, he said that he wanted us, he gave the illustration that he wanted us to be like sheep in the pasture going to and fro. What is that an example of? Freedom. Paul said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. Not where your marriage is getting better, not where your bank account's doing better, not where your kids aren't acting crazy and are actually growing up in your spouse and ain't acting a fool and you're not acting a fool and provoking each other. Not where your job, you love it and things are going better and they're giving you the promotion. It doesn't say when your circumstances are better. It doesn't say when, you're, when your bank account's raining. It says wherever his presence is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where his presence is. And Paul says this, he said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So what's our response? Stand firm and then do not let yourselves be burdened. Say that with me again, again. These are church people. They responded to the gospel. They loved Jesus, but apparently they were stepping back. He said, don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Quit moving back. Quit stepping back. Quit losing focus because seasons don't go your way or they crush you. He says, guys, it is for freedom that Jesus died for you. And you need to remember that because you keep going backwards. People are coming in the church that I planted and that you got the gospel and they are swaying you. You were easily persuaded to not uh, follow Jesus. And you believe. look at our culture. We believe everybody's opinion about everybody. You don't even talk to the people you hate. You hear hate on them. You don't know Joe Biden. You don't know anybody. You just know what people's interpretation of Joe Biden. I'll go the same with Donald Trump. And I'll be honest with you, there's some things here. I just don't lead the way he leads. I don't believe in the way he leads, regardless of policy. And if you do and think it's Christ-like, that's wrong too. And Joe Biden, there's some things I don't believe that he's leading like Jesus. But honestly, they don't claim to be. I've never heard them say I'm leading it like Jesus. I'm the one that claims that. So you need to stop comparing them to expectations. I'm done with the politics. Sorry, Uh, not sorry, but still, I'm just preaching it from the Bible because those are people issues, not political issues. But we do it. Sum up everybody. And Paul's like, you guys need to quit doing this. It is for freedom that Jesus died for you. Freedom. And you need to step, plant your feet and stand your ground because your faith is flaky, not faithful. The psalmist in Psalm 16 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. But you are shaken. You are shaken. He loves me. He loves me not. I come to church. I'm doing good. We come three weeks in a row and then miss three or four months. I want to be here. I love it. But I don't get out of bed. I have terrible people reach out to me and I'm telling you, if you've ever done it, I'm not, there's been like 80, a million. It feels like I'm not talking to you. I'm not picking on you. But when people tell me I'm just broken, I'm depressed. I can't get out of bed. That is a sign that this is exactly where you need to be. Not a sign to stay in the bed. It's a sign to keep moving. Online, I'm talking to you too. I may not even know you. But when you tell me I want to be here, but I'm just depressed, that means you need to be here that much more. 
Because we want you to experience his strength because anxiety and depression only gets only worsens in bed. I guarantee you that. You'll get some sleep that day. You're going to wake up more empty the next and the next. And 10 years from now, I wish I would do this. Well, 10 years later, you're going to still wish the same thing until you get up and actually begin to have some faith that's faithful and not flaky. We're shaken. We live in a quitting culture. I've done a, I've done a good job of preaching about the time just to quit and walk away. I feel like I do that enough. I do. I believe in it. I believe Jesus teaches it. And if you take it out of context and say, it will like with marriage, there is a time that it is time to walk away from a marriage. And, you will, and, and, and people have come to me because their pastors won't tell them. And I'll say, hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I'm going to tell you that that's not. It, I believe in that. I'm preaching that. I'm preaching setting boundaries. You were, you can love somebody unconditionally and walk out of the room and walk out of their life. That's 100. I preach that all the time. Get hated for it. That's fine. I love a lot of people a lot more when they're not at my table anymore. That's cool. But I don't preach on this enough, and here's what I want to do. We live in a culture that quits. Religion stays too long, says stay too long. Our culture says quit too soon. I get parents. Like I said, anybody watching online, I don't know if there's anybody in there. There's been, I would say two dozen or more parents that have children with Tourette syndrome that will reach out to me over the last decade. And they will ask me, should I take my kids out of public school because my kids are getting bullied really, really bad and they're getting depressed and I think they're having suicidal tendencies. What Should I do that? That's a good idea, right? Anybody that ever wants to ask me that question and you haven't, it's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Because one day they're going to have to fight those battles and the world doesn't get any prettier because when adults have more resources to bully you. Adults can actually bully you and not get called out by a teacher. They can be your boss. They can pick on you and be your best friend and you don't even know how to tell them, I don't like the way you're treating me because y'all were so close. It doesn't get any better. 12 is the best time to learn it. And I tell you this because I want you to know that I saw at a young age what God can do with faith and faithfulness, faith and follow through, what he can do with it. Oh, it was hard. Hell even sometimes in public schools with Tourette syndrome. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely it was. Moaning, groaning in the middle of class in middle school. Did it in sex ed, by the way. Did it? Oh yeah, did it? Did it in sex ed? Did it in sex ed? I can tell you so many stories. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. Did all that moaning and groaning because they were trying to find one, but, but about the sixth to eighth grade, they were trying to find medicines that would slow down my ticks enough because I was going to end up hurting myself because of jerking. And um, and so I remember those days of where I was drooling because I couldn't control the drool coming out of my mouth. I had massive weight gain. I had man boobs. I did. Biggins. A lot bigger than even the size I was. It wasn't just like, like I still have the, uh, the leftovers, even though I've lost over 100 pounds. It was awful. Yes, kids would look at me and, and, and do, and, and do um, imitations of my tics. Yes, I got stared at. I've even had some friends of my kids, our kids that were older, that would stare at me. It's awful. But I learned how to fight some battles that there's grown people that die that still don't know how to fight them. That, that die, uh, they live to be old, but they never truly know how to fight them. I've been able to fight some battles. I've lived through some seasons where when the dust settled, there was nobody standing beside me because I don't blink. 
And the reason I don't blink isn't because I'm some bad butt, it's because I had to learn at 12 to stand my ground and fight my battles and how to do that, not to compensate and pretend to fight them and act all tough. I had to learn how. I, I, I gained 60 pounds in, in three months one time in middle school. Great baseball player, great everything. And I went from, yeah, from, the, from the guy that they'd put on the field to the guy that they'd pick on. But boy, it taught me. It taught me. And from middle school, I went from pitiful to when I graduated high school, I got most unforgettable in my senior class. I got a, a, a department award my senior year called the, by the Follow Me Foundation. I think it was called the Point of Light Award. Oh, I went from the guy that my parents would cry. My dad, who was so hard and struggled with addiction, they would cry because they lost their child for several years because I was so doped up and they didn't want to drop me off at school, but they did it. And I'm glad they did. So now, oh yeah, I've got a thick skin. There's some things that people say, how do you handle the criticism? How do you handle the things that, how do you handle that? I learned how to handle it at 12, that's how. So now, oh yeah, oh oh yeah. So pretty girls in middle school used to walk by me and I would like uh, grunt and moan. And that, you know, I was big, so they look, ew! It still happens. If you ever been with me when my moaning ticks are bad and grunt ticks, I'll be in the middle of the Irish pub eating lunch and everybody's looking. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you don't need to go to lunch with me. But it don't make me uncomfortable anymore. And I don't feel like I have to explain it and wear a badge either. So, so there's still been pretty girls that come by. And now they look at me like I'm an old perverted creep, but I'm moaning and groaning because I have to rest. Not because I'm looking at you. I get to go home to my girl. But the thing is, I don't even feel the need to explain it anymore. So I've been waiting on the time where somebody, some girl comes up in here to visit the church. That's that perverted pastor that groaned at me. And you know what I'm going to say? I got Tourette's. I just didn't have time to tell you in the middle of Walmart. I got groceries. It's my day off. It don't bother me. I, all my people that are new, listen, I promise I love Jesus, but I'm going to tell you this story. So uh, uh, so uh, when we first got married, when we first got married, and I'm just explaining to you that th the thickness, the, uh, yes, I got my insecurities like everybody else. They're just, I've learned, I learned how to handle some things differently because I had to handle them young. We first got married, our favorite thing to do, let me preface that. My wife's favorite movie that came out every Valentine's Day was the Fifty Shades movies. Don't even, don't even, don't even on my chart. He just said that. Yes, I love my wife and I will do whatever she wants because I was alone for Valentine's Day for 29 years. So we go on Valentine's Day. One of them is particular. Uh, my ticks, moaning and groaning ticks were as bad as they've been since we got married. All I'm telling you, the only thing worse in that theater than my moaning and groaning ticks were people's looks at, look at, looks at me. Some of them were mad. Some of them were like, what is she doing to him over there? But you know what? You know what? But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I enjoyed my popcorn. I enjoyed my movie and my phone turned off. I didn't care what they were thinking because I learned what faith and faithfulness and being able to not let other people define your peace looks like. And I'm not perfect at it, but I'm better than many because I had to fight it young. I saw what God can do when you'll see me ticking. You see me on the stage and somebody talking, I'm going to be ticking real bad. I tick a lot less when I got the floor, when everybody else does, but I own it. I have to. 
are some things in your life you need to have faith and faithfulness. You, you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't put one foot in front of the other, other and have some faithfulness and follow through, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get anywhere in your life. You need to get out of bed. That's what faithfulness looks like. Your faith is flaky and you can never move forward without taking some, you can't build and sustain momentum because your faith is flaky. Paul said it is for freedom. The psalmist said, I will not be shaken. Life will shake you, but your faith being shaken, that's on you. Get out of bed. Show up for life. Work hard at your job. Be on time. Jesus, punctuality is not a mental disorder. Punctuality is a habit. I'm saying that. For a lot of people, no one person in particular. I'm just saying everybody's late everywhere these days. It's like, just don't hit the snooze button because you hit it seven times and you're seven minutes late. It's pretty simple. Just don't hit the snooze button. Be tired and be angry, but be on time. Show up for life. You let shame and anxiety stop you from experiencing some of the most beautiful moments that God has before you because you don't show up because you either don't feel worthy or you don't feel like you can stand in a room and not be crushed by the anxiety. You're never going to really, you got all the faith, but you got, you, you got no faithfulness. Come to church. Gosh, come to church. Bring your family. People are like, I just, it's easier to watch online where your kids can't get catechids online and your family really can't grow together at the same online. And if this isn't the place for you, I would rather you go to church consistently than come here once every three months. Find somewhere that's, that's less angry. Because I know I'm going to make you uncomfortable. We got the most diverse church around. If you want to go to a church that makes you feel comfortable with the people that you do life with, find somewhere that's worth going. I'm not going to be mad. Show up for life. Be faithful. Won't you stop dating for a season and start seeking the Lord and maybe you won't keep repeating these terrible relationships and this heartbreak because you will discover God in yourself because you have settled for shallow. I just want a wife or a husband. You ain't going to get it until you find him in yourself or you're going to get a heartbreak and a half, seven of them or 70 years with just one, big one. Why don't you not just begin to read? You know, we're reading through the New Testament as a church right now. If, you hadn't, if, you hadn't, if you're like a month behind right now, go ahead, start late. Because we aren't just reading the Bible together to read the content and to divulge the content. God wants you to engage his word. And that don't happen overnight. You'll read it and be like, this is boring. That, you better start doing it for more than a week and a day at a time. People are like, man, you can quote your little paraphrase translation of scripture because I've done it for years. You believe in God for something, you need some big moves in your life, you don't know what to do next, you're struggling with mental, with your, with your mental stability. Uh, I don't know what you, you need to fast. Fast! Won't you set aside some time and fast and seek God and see what he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't answer some prayers, tell somebody, say no more flaky faith. Your faith is shallow. Your relationship with God is shallow. I want y'all to stay focused because the band and the baptizees are about to get up right now. Revelation chapter 3, uh, uh, Jesus says this to the church. He says, I know all the things you do, that you were neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you were lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We hate, uh, well, nobody, or many people don't like uh, lukewarm food. They like food that's hot and fresh. And Jesus is like, that's about how your faith is. It ain't hot, it ain't fresh. 
You say I'm rich and I have everything I want and I don't need a thing and you don't realize, oh wow, y'all, you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He's talking to people that were church people. Let me give you the 22 rundown. I'm good. Don't judge me. You don't know me. I'm closer to God than ever before. I don't have to go to church to be close. Yeah, I don't need you in my life telling me this and that. And, 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 and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go around and I'm gonna prove to everybody that I got nothing to prove. I'm going to get on there on social media. I'm going to tell the world, I don't care what you think. Do you hear yourself? We are walking contradictions because our faith and our relationship with God is shallow. That is the 2022-year version. 2022 version. You settle for shallow. We all do. You put your post, your little selfie. I love myself. I'm a dime. I'm worthy. It took me my whole life to believe it. And anybody who doesn't believe it, I don't care anymore. With either a really good filter or hashtag no filter, stomach sucked in from your side uh, 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 with a ridiculous amount of makeup. You really love yourself? Or are you trying to make everybody else believe you love yourself? Oh, you're pumping in the gym and getting invited. And you do the roar thing in front of the Like it looks like you're roaring when you take your pick in front of the mirror. Insert one liner that talks about putting in the work and changing your life. Oh, don't forget. Make it your profile picture because you act like your biceps are that big all the time. They're not. They're going to go away in two minutes when you shift workouts. We do. We settle for shallow, man. You measure yourself. You measure yourself by your bank account. By success and respect, you copy all the patterns and the culture and the formulas and the drawings that they that people say this is what significance is. You try to make everybody like you. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't have enough critics, if you don't have people that don't like what you're doing or don't believe in you, you're not doing anything with your life. They killed Jesus. He was perfect. They didn't like him. If you don't have haters and critics in your life and people who don't believe in what you're doing and don't pay you no mind, listen to me, your dreams aren't big enough. I have had to learn to be at peace that to be able to reach and speak the scripture to the people that are called to receive from me, I've had to learn to be okay with the people that aren't or the people that are in one season but aren't in the next because I make unpo- my job is to make decisions that may not be popular. But we mold our peace and our life and whether we're good or bad behind the patterns of the world. We do. It's shallow. Jesus isn't something you dabble with. He isn't a spice that you get to just sprinkle on your situation. It's not what Jesus is. See, you've done some demolition in your life. You've kicked some people out. You've got, hey, you broke up with your bad boyfriends and girlfriends and you kicked, and you, and you, set, you set boundaries with your bad friends, but have you looked in the mirror and addressed your bad habits? You've been a Christian for years, but you haven't grown in years. Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be in and out. I feel that way. Hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings now. Tell me the truth because we can deal with the truth, but I ain't trying to guess. You lost yourself. You lost your love for people and your love for God years ago. Not just COVID-19. Some of you lost it 20, 10 years ago. 
and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to get it back. You come into church, you check a box, you don't know how to get it back. Renovation, transformation, metamorphosis. That's how. Don't you copy. Don't you make these little surface level changes. Don't you just say, God, I want you to save me. He wants to sweep you off your feet every day and every season of your life. And you can get rid of all the toxic around you, but you need to start addressing the toxic within you because demolition won't do it. Renovation does that. God, I'm going to tell you, God had to renovate our church the last couple years. It's not the same place it used to be. And I've had to learn the hard way. We've had to deal with some things just like everybody else in COVID. But I want him to continue to do that. I want him to renovate my heart, not just this church. It may look totally different five years from now. But if he wants to take things out, I want him to replace things. Not my pride, not my ego, not my will. His will. And it hurts to be renovated. But Jesus wants to breathe on you. He wants to breathe on you. In John 20, it says, he says, uh, it says, this is his disciples, y'all. This is before Pentecost. Read this to our teams this morning. This is before the Spirit fell on the church because there are many refills. It says, then he breathed on him, them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on his disciples before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit fell because there are many refills. And the word spirit means is pneuma, the Greek word pneuma, which is also means breath or wind. When God created us, it said he breathed the breath of life in us. You don't get life without breath. You can't live without breathing. And the Bible attributes the Holy Spirit to breath. And Jesus said, I breathed on them. He wants to breathe on you, Pentecostal. He wants to breathe on you online, church family. He wants to breathe on you. There's been seasons in my life I had no clarity. I didn't know where I was going. I couldn't even put my foot forward because of fatigue and, and everything I was dealing with. My fighting skills couldn't get me out of it. But his breath, his spirit, he breathed on me. He wants to breathe on you. You may need a second win, a third win, a hundredth win. I don't know. All I know is he's the God of many refills. He wants to breathe on you, not just save you. He wants to breathe on you. Some of you are like, I'm just hurt. You've hurt. You've actually been hurt. You're no longer the victim. You hurt for so long. You're the victimizer. You're like, it'll never be the same same again. I'll never be the same again. That's okay. God said in Ezekiel, he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's okay. It's okay if it's never the same again. You trust him. Let him renovate your life because you've done enough. You've been disappointed long enough. He's time to get, let him have control. You're like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Listen, the psalmist writes, you open your heart. Excuse me, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living creature, every living thing. Like, I don't have confidence. I don't have, I don't have confidence. I don't have, I don't have any, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough stability. I've, I've made so many mistakes. That bridge is burned. I can't really be. I don't have the strength. You quit worrying about that. Paul said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He said, in prison, Paul wrote to Philippi. He said, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. He and, 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 and mine in Christ Jesus. He told Philippi, he said, my God will provide all your needs according to my glorious riches. He said that from a jail cell. 
because God will provide what you don't know how to be and what you don't know and what you never got. He will provide it. He will be all things to all men and women. He wants to do more than save you from this season. He wants to do something inside of you. You ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus was just the first to be raised to life, not the last. Not the last. I love it, this verse. Jesus said, you don't have enough faith. Flaky faith. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told him. I tell you the truth. If you had even, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And we say, well, Jesus, it takes a little bit of faith. I got a little bit of faith. The point of this is a growing faith. Whatever you got, you bring it to him. Will you stand to your feet, Catalyst? Whatever you got. I don't know what you're working with, but I don't know. Listen to me. I don't know what you're working with. I don't know what you got in front of you, but I know that there's some people right now. There's some of you online, and we're for you. You can reach out to me. Put my email up, please, Will. I'm going to tell you, reach out to me. I got you. We got you. Whatever you need, God wants to do some things inside of you. We are a family that doesn't just worship God on Sunday. We seek Him every single day. We seek Him. His presence is what this world needs. His presence is what your world needs. And he said, if you got a little bit of faith, just a little bit of growing faith, bring what you got. I'll do the rest. Set the precedent for your family. I got some people right now, you know that you need to get baptized. It ain't too late. I'm about to pray. You need, if you know who you are, you need to hit those curtains. You got Tara be waiting. She'll take you around. We'll baptize you today. Because God, remember I told you, face it last week, face it. Behold the Lamb of God. You need to make a declaration. And God wants to change your life, your world, your everyday. All my young people. Hey, old people, you may older people, adults, you want to set the precedent for your family. Young people, your parents may never change, but God wants to change you. Hit the curtain. I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on. If you need to commit yourself, we're going to do it today. There's no reason to wait. Hit the door. We got everything you need. You will not go out of here wet, but you can go out of here changed. So I'm going to pray. You've cared enough what people think. Are you living for the approval of others or his purpose? Hit the door if that's you. We got you. We got you. I'm going to pray. Prayer team, will you come to the front? We are going to declare. We are going to worship. Uh, if you need prayer, if you need to bow at this altar, God wants to love you, connect with you, draw near to you. And he promised if you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Y'all ready, Catalyst? You ready? Say move. Lord, right now, we ask you to move in us. We are going to speak to our mountains. We speak to our lives. We speak to our situation. We speak to the shortages. We speak to the dysfunction and defects. We speak to the disease in this place because there's some people that need healing. They're hurting. However they're hurting, Lord, right now, we are calling, speaking to our mountains. We're taking whatever faith we got. We call you, Lord. We commit to you. You are enough. You are enough. And you want to raise us to life. Greater is he who is in us. We speak to it. We believe it. And we do not settle for anything less. No more settling for shallow. In Jesus' name, hit the door. Come on, let's worship. Give him some praise. Let's do this thing. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 
Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. 